0: The term forsake, when you look at the original language, tells us it means to abandon, to desert, to leave, to leave behind, or even to neglect. And when we think about someone deserting us, a flood of emotions may come over us. We could be extremely heartbroken. We might feel helpless. And sometimes we might even feel all alone. Because if they're not with us, who else is to be with us? Can you imagine how Jesus would be if he felt this way? When you go to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 27, you find Matthew tells us exactly how Jesus felt as he stood there hanging on the cross. In verse 45, it was the sixth hour until the ninth hour, and there was darkness all over the land. And verse 46 tells us that about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would Jesus feel that God has forsaken him? Well, you see, there was something that Jesus had to do for you and for me. Something that Jesus did not do himself. But made it possible that he could bridge the gap between God and mankind. David perhaps understood these sentiments because as he had written in the book of Psalms, chapter 22 and in verse 1, there he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the word of my groaning. You might think about David and the things that he has gone through, but then you think about Jesus and how he differed from David, how he differed from you and how he differed from me. You see in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, Paul said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Yet Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God's only begotten Son. And Jesus did not do what man did. Because Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 22, He did no sin. Neither was any guile found in Him. Yet what Jesus did do, none of us could do. This morning, before we partook of the Lord's Supper, Brian read to us from the book of Isaiah chapter 53. And I'd like for us to look at a few verses from that chapter again tonight. In Isaiah chapter 53, I'd like for us to begin here in verse number 8. In Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse 8, he said, As sin, we're told in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, is what separates us from God. Jesus had to be the sin sacrifice. He had to bridge that gap. He came from God, his Father, unto us. He came to the world that the world through him might be saved. And Jesus, as he came to us, returned from, or to his heavenly father. This morning, as we talked about how Jesus had the power to lay down his life and to take it again, we also find that yet his father had a hand in that. The psalmist said in chapter scene, for you will not leave my soul in shield nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Jesus' soul was not remaining in Sheol, but instead it came forth. And as Jesus had been risen from the dead, you find that it is through Him that we can all be raised from the dead. This very message was what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. When you go to the book of Acts in chapter 2, again he reminds us of the things that David said concerning him. There in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 25, Peter says that David said concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with the note to him that of the fruit of his body, according to his flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God, has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand shall I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. They understood that God made it possible that Jesus would not remain in the grave. He didn't rise from the dead. There were many witnesses indeed that had seen him. And as Peter preached that message, you know God did not forget about him. God certainly does not forget about us. Paul would tell the Corinthians in Second Corinthians chapter 4 and in verse 14, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Also, he told the Romans, there in chapter 8 and in verse 11, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Perhaps there was a time in which Jesus did feel alone. But you know, we also find that now he is at the right hand of God. It was possible that Jesus could return to him. Is it possible that we can return unto God? Well, we find that, first of all, the Lord has not forsaken us. The New Testament tells us that very, very plainly in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 13, there in verse 5, the writer says very, very clearly, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. When you think about the transition of the things that we may have, And then we think about the things that we do not have. Some things, what we used to have, we no longer have. And sometimes the things that we do have, we ask ourselves, are we always going to have them? Well, we know the answer in the long run is certainly not, because this world is passing away in the lust thereof. As John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, but yet the Hebrew writer says that he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. This passage is quoted at least three times in the Old Testament. from Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 6 and 8, and Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. God was always there. With As the people had sinned, they were separated from God. And yet Christ died so that we can be reconciled to him. And sometimes when we're trying to do the right thing, we feel that we are forsaken because we're being persecuted. Nobody is willing to stand with us. But Paul says we can be encouraged to know that there is someone with us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, There beginning in verse eight, he said, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. And in verse nine, we are persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Paul understood what it was like to be persecuted. He tells us of the many things that happened in his life as he was trying to stand fast for the gospel of Christ. His health was often in jeopardy. In fact, there were times in which he was even left for dead. But he says, even though we are persecuted, yet we are not forsaken. There was someone that was with him every step of the way. Perhaps even when he felt that his fellow brothers and sisters may not have been there to assist him. In fact, he even calls some in that regard in his second letter to the young man, Timothy. In Second Timothy chapter 4 and in verse 16, He says, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But in verse 17, he says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth. Of the lion, here Paul tells us one specific instance that something indeed happened, but he was delivered, he was strengthened, he was not forsaken, and how did he receive his strength? Remember what he told the Philippians in chapter four and verse thirteen Through Christ who strengthens me, he knew that he was never forsaken, the Lord was always with him. Even if he were to die and to leave this very world, the Lord would still be with him. Well, what about the other side of the coin? The Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but would we perhaps leave him? Would we perhaps forsake him? Well, first of all, we would think about Jesus' very disciples. You'll recall that as he began to call them, perhaps they were tested from time to time. And in Matthew chapter 26, you'll recall that there Jesus even said point blank to Peter in verse 34, that this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. But in verse 35, Peter said unto him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Peter made a very bold statement that he would not deny him and even all the disciples agreed with him. But you remember what took place a little bit later in the same chapter? The time came for Jesus to be betrayed. The son was given and there was one who was willing to cut off the ear of another. And as Jesus began to reprimand him for doing so, he said in verse 54, How then could the scriptures be fulfilled? that it must happen thus. And in verse 55, in that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber, with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But then what happened? All the disciples forsook him, and fled. They all forsook him and fled. They all said they would not deny him, even if they have to die with him. But yet, they forsook him and they fled. Quite a difference than what happened when they initially was a knot. Remember in Luke chapter 5, what happened as they began to be called For example, the first 11 verses, we find that there are four individuals that were out fishing. And as Jesus began to call them, in verse 11, they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Other gospel accounts tell us how they left their nets. Their whole livelihood, everything they did, they kept behind them that they would follow after Jesus. And then later in the same chapter, we come to verse 27, that Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. He was sitting in the tax office. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And what did he do? He left all, rose up, and followed him. He was willing to put everything behind in order to follow Jesus and that's what Jesus expects of us we must be willing to leave all behind and to follow him sometimes we come in contact with others that are willing to do the very same and we want to work together we can do the greatest good in the kingdom of God but sometimes one or both parties or maybe even more may decide it's time to do something else. Paul understood that. He said again in Second Timothy chapter 4 and in verse 10, that Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Here Paul was going from place to place, carrying the gospel in Christ, Perhaps there were things that were more important unto Demas, but Paul felt alone. He felt abandoned as he was trying to do the gospel of Christ, to share it with others. And how would Jesus feel if we were to abandon him, if we were to quit doing the calling in which we have been called unto do? How would he feel if we would not see him each and every week? Remember he said that where are two or three gathered together, there am I in the midst of them? Well, you can bet that he would be here with us each and every week. Are we willing to come and be with him? Then in verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love. ...and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You can see how the Lord is very faithful unto us. He's always said that I will never leave you nor forsake you, in the good times, in the difficult times... He is always there. But what about us? Are we always there for Him? Are we willing to be obedient to the gospel of Christ? Are we willing to live the faithful Christian life? Are we willing to share the gospel with others? And even when the times are tough, our faith is tested. Are we willing to stand with the Lord. He has not forsaken us, we must not forsake Him. This evening, the lesson is If there is one tonight that needs to come back to Him, to respond to the gospel of Christ, won't you do so, as together we stand and sing?